You just have to find your activism and don't let anyone tell you what it should look like. If you're doing the work and you're getting someone else to think, then trust me, you're on the right track. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for learning, for healing, and for laughter. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you to yet another episode. If this is your first time tuning in and hearing the sound of my voice, welcome. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you keep coming back. Make sure you subscribe to the show with notifications turned all the way on so you don't miss an episode. And if you're already a part of our podcast family, well, you already know what it is. I'm not going to ask you to subscribe because I'm sure you've done so already, right? And so as usual, I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. It's a new month. It's November. So two more months of this crazy year, 2020. Honestly, guys, I don't know about you, but I really don't want anything else to happen. I just want us to have a calm last two months. Let's just write it out. Have a calm November and December. Enjoy the holidays. And let that be that. (laughs) But I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. I hope it's restful or productive. It is Wednesday, and so we may already know who the next president for the United States will be in January 2021. And I know, I know, I'm putting out an episode on election week, but I just feel like this topic is interesting and relevant to everything that's been going on this year. So, you know, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode, and I will most definitely be giving my thoughts and sort of having a discussion on the results of the election in the next episode. So with that, let's get into our clue-in segment for the week. So this week for clue-in, I want to start by giving an update to the hashtag and SARS movement. So... If you haven't listened to the previous episode, go back and listen because I did give a brief description about the movement, about what the SARS policing unit in Nigeria was, and why specifically youth in Nigeria and around the world were protesting an end to police brutality in Nigeria. So right now, the movement is sort of going through this quiet period where some of you may have seen the news and heard about the Lekki massacre in Lagos, where, you know youths and people that were peacefully protesting were killed by members of the Nigerian army. And so people in Nigeria that are protesting are having to sort of re-strategize and rethink ways to approach this without risking their lives. And so what I've also noticed is that a lot of Nigerians in the diaspora have sort of like picked up the baton. So I've seen a lot of protests that took place in Toronto about a week and a half ago. There's been protests in various cities in Europe as well. And so right now, you know, the obviously hashtag activism and social media activism, it would appear as though, you know, we're just done with NSARS. Like you're not really seeing a lot of it on your social media platforms anymore, but 
people are still on ground protesting, trying to distribute funds that were previously raised to help family members who may have lost items, whose businesses may have been destroyed, um, just protesters and who may have lost family members, like so on. So there's still a lot of on the ground work taking place. It has just moved from online social media activism to now like on ground activism. So I just wanted to just give that update because I know things are happening so quickly and there's so many things happening simultaneously that it's easy to sort of like lose track or not really know how some of these issues are being tackled and and so on. So I just wanted to sort of give that update. And of course, we're still waiting for the government to formally respond to and address an end to SARS as well as other demands that youth have put forward in Nigeria. So we'll we'll just wait and see how the government responds to those demands. So next on Cluin, I want to say about a week and a half ago, there was a story that made the headlines and it was trending on Twitter. So I looked more into it. And essentially, this is a story. A professor at the University of Ottawa, and for those who don't know, Ottawa is the capital city of Canada and also a major city in the province of Ontario. Provinces are equivalent to states for countries that operate on the state system. So a professor at the University of Ottawa used the N-word in class and defended this action by saying that, you know, there are some environments where it's necessary to use this for educational purposes, right? And shortly after this, after students had expressed outrage, it suddenly sparked a debate. 34 professors signed an open letter defending this professor and saying that universities are places where such topics should be discussed freely. So the professor still has his job. He hasn't been fired. He remains at the university. You know, and now this has sparked a debate. So just imagine that we're debating whether the N-word should be used or not in an educational setting in 2020. What? (laughs) I don't know what's so hard about this. You're not black, don't use the word. I don't care if you're teaching sociology, philosophy, African studies. You don't need to use that word to make a point. I don't care. It just doesn't make sense. Like, just don't use it. And it's just crazy to me. Like, I finished a whole undergraduate degree in urban and regional planning, right? And this is not a flex, you know, (laughs) or maybe it is. But yeah, I finished that degree minored in sociology, took all those courses. And I'm not saying that my schooling was perfect or that the professors didn't have their issues, but at no point did a professor feel the need to drop the N-word to really drive a point home or to really like tell us what they meant. Nah, like they never did that. So trust me, sir or ma'am, you can teach students about whatever topic it is without dropping that word because it's very triggering to students. Like, (laughs) there are two more months in this year, okay? Can I just get people to behave? I just need people to just behave themselves. Let's just finish this year off, please. This is embarrassing. Like, really, in 2020. (sighs) Horrible. Embarrassing. That's all I have to say about that. 
And of course, I will be linking the article and information related to this story in the description of this podcast episode so that you guys can read it and understand it for yourselves. Okay, let's get to some let's get to some good stuff. Let's get to let's talk about TV first. So I have finished Lovecraft Country. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Loved it. I need season two like right now. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the way the season ended compared to the beginning of the season. I felt like it was a little bit on the eh, but still a great show. Still waiting for season two. And I'm now looking for something else to watch. So if y'all got any recommendations for TV shows, let me know. I need something new to watch now. Okay, so let's end up cluing this week with some music. Y'all know I love me some music. I love some music. So I got to share some new music with you guys. So firstly, every Friday is New Music Fridays. And if there's one good thing that has come out of COVID and this year, it's that we have been getting so much good music. This last Friday, everybody dropped an album, bruh. Omarion dropped an album. Ariana Grande dropped an album. Buster Rhymes, who hasn't rapped in a while, dropped an album. Um, who else? Sam Smith had some new music. But the one that we were all waiting for, and this is, this is for my Afrobeat lovers out there, WizKid dropped an album, y'all. WizKid dropped an album. And mm, when I tell you, this album is hot. It's great. This album just, uh, it evokes such beautiful feelings when you listen to it. It's just amazing. It makes you want to just like, dance the night away with your lover in Lagos or any other city for that matter, but it's really beautiful. So you know what? I'm going to play a little bit of a track for you guys. This one is called Mighty Wine. It's on the album. It's amazing. And I'm just going to play a little bit just so you guys can see what I've been jamming to this past weekend because it's been on repeat. So here we go. Mama, give me a dance. Say, I define you truly. Yeah, give me mighty wine. Yeah, the way you did do me. Yeah, yeah. Dance. Say, I define you truly. Yeah, give me mighty wine. Hey. Hey. Nah, that track is fire. So, if you guys want to dance to some Afrobeats this season, make sure you check out the album Whiz Kids Made in Lagos. Check it out. Really dope album. Really, really, really recommend. So yeah, that's all I got for Clue in this week. Let's get into our main topic for the week. So for our main topic this week, we're going to be discussing and breaking down social media activism. I want to talk about this because I just feel like it's something that's so rampant right now, especially this year. There's just been an overwhelming amount of like hashtag activism, if you will, of a bunch of different like issues, whether it be like racial justice, environmental justice, climate change. So I just sort of want to talk about it because it's just it's been an immense magnitude this year and just sort of talk about the positives and negatives. Is it effective and how many of us should actually be, you know, sort of carrying out this form of activism? So that's what we're going to be talking about. But before we get into that, let's get into what I'm drinking while I record. So to know me is to know that I love tea. So while I record today, I'm going to be sipping on some 
pomegranate goji tea. It's a herbal tea, so it's really good, really calming for me while I record. And this tea is by Tealish Fine Teas. So Tealish is a small family-owned tea company here in the city of Toronto. So if you guys love tea like I do and you love having a variety of different flavors, and I mean a variety, then yeah, y'all should check them out. So yes, social media activism. And of course, activism, in my opinion, is one of the great things that has come out of social media and social media platforms. Of course, it allows us to just reach large audiences and large groups of people in a matter of like minutes. Like I often think about how long it would have taken us to reach the amount of people that we reached with all the different causes that were tackled this year if we didn't have social media. And added to this is the fact that social media just allows a lot of networking with different organizations. You know, people are able to mass fundraise. GoFundMe accounts are started instantly and amounts are raised within like a matter of like days or weeks, depending on the amount. So with regards to just the amount of people that are able to be reached in a minimal amount of time, I would say that that's one of the best things about social media and using it for things such as activism or raising awareness to particular issues. However, just like anything else in life, if it has a positive, it most likely has a negative. If it has an upside to it, it probably has a downside to it. And I feel like for me, the negative side to social media, especially with activism, is just this idea that it focuses so much on instance. Like just instance response, instant awareness. There's just this tendency to want to know what is going on right now. And that's sort of where it stops. And there's also this idea and this tendency for groupthink where, you know, like one person posts something and takes a particular position and then everybody, everybody just like, you know, reposts that same idea. And people aren't really like thinking for themselves to say like, oh, maybe it could be this or maybe it could be something else. They're just sort of like just latching on to that person's perspective and that person's view and then running with it and reposting it and all of a sudden we're all just thinking the same and if somebody comes out to say anything that's different then that person looks you know a little bit crazy because their thought process or their ideas is a little you know out of the ordinary so another downside to social media activism is this tendency for the spreading of misinformation and sort of having to decipher and know for yourself what sources you can trust, what sources you can't trust. And so this actually happened to me. So I believe it was two weeks. I was reposting things for, of course, like the NSARS movement, reposting. I came across a video. Um, the, the person had captioned the video and said that these were Nigerians in diaspora in Germany protesting in front of a, a government official's hotel or house. And I reposted it and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, th this is really getting like international attention. Like, wow, okay. And then someone had replied to, to my repost of that tweet and had said, you know what, like, hey, this is actually misinformation. This is wrong. This is not Germany. This is actually France or something along those lines. And had, you know, told me, yes, the person who initially posted it knows that this is wrong but they're still spreading this anyway. I don't know why. And so obviously like, I took it down and this happens so often, you know, we have to be hyper aware of, you know, I have these certain amount of followers or people that are looking at my posts. I want to make sure that what I'm putting out there is accurate, makes sense. And that I'm 
check in and fact check in what I am retweeting. And that's something that I was like, you know, I, I'm someone that's intentional and I try to do that, but you know, I was kind of caught slipping. I was like, damn, I have to actually make sure that I am checking what I'm reposting because people really are out here spreading misinformation. So then that kind of brings me to this idea. I don't know, with everything just that has been going on this year, I've just been doing a lot of thinking. And I was just like, you know what, like, should we all be engaging in social media activism? And I was sort of doing some research for this episode. And I came across this this term that I hadn't really heard before, and it's called activism influencers. And first of all, I'm just like, how can someone influence your activism? Like, I just feel like influencing and that term is just something that I don't think should be put in the same realm and same um, understanding as activism, but that's just me. But yeah, essentially activism influencers are people who sort of have a platform for advocacy. They're genuine, they have useful resources, and they sort of, you know, influence, I guess, their followers, their community to sort of, I guess, advocate as well for the issues that they're advocating for. So I thought about this question, you know, should we all be activism influencers, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, or should we all sort of partake in social media activism and obviously put into perspective and taken in just reflecting on all the different forms of, you know, protests and activism that have kind of gone on this year, especially. And, you know, based on my understanding and my opinion, you know, but what do I know? (laughs) I'm going to say, no, we should not all be engaging in social media activism and we should not all be activism influencers. And before anyone jumps at me, here's why. Because firstly, yes, in an ideal world, we may all have these great, you know, following or community that we've built and we all have these great platforms and we all use our platforms to better the world, make it a more equitable and fair place. Great. But in real life, it doesn't work that way. We don't all have the same passion for the causes or for activism in general. We don't all have the same critical thinking, the same understanding to be so-called influencers or leaders in this realm of activism. And sometimes, honestly, some people also just don't care about these issues. You know, like some people are just not willing or wanting to get into that realm of activism. And that's okay. I mean, that's not me, but do you, boo? And I'm not saying that people shouldn't care about these issues. Of course, care about these issues. You know, if seeing the the horrible things that have gone on, not just this year, but, you know, throughout our lifetime, doesn't move you or shake you, then that's a different conversation. But of course, care about these issues. But I just don't think that everyone should be forced to be the person with the mic, you know, or be the spokesperson on all these social issues or even several issues. Not everybody has to be the one that's making the slideshow that gets reposted to the rest of the <laughs> to the rest of the accounts on Twitter or Instagram. It doesn't have to be you. There are different types and different lanes for activism. That's just what I'm saying. And honestly to add to this, I truly don't believe that activism has to be, you know, on display and visible for the internet to see. Like I feel like this year we've been so bombarded and overwhelmed with such visible displays of quote-unquote activism that a lot of people are starting to think that that's what it should look like and that it just stops there. And what I mean by this is during the protests for 
you know, George Floyd and by extension, Black Lives Matter movement that took place in, well, worldwide, but let's speak to the one in U.S. and Canada because these are ones that I'm most familiar with as a result of geography. So during those protests, there was this pressure for, you know, Black people, POCs and allies, you know, post, post, repost, post your black squares, you know, like people were calling out, you know, like all you, all my white friends, if you don't post, I'm looking at you. And there was this pressure for like people to post, post, post. And I remember talking to some of my black friends during that time and being like, man, like my entire existence is a protest. Okay. My entire life that I make it is a protest. So I am mentally tired. I am drained and I don't feel like posting this today. Okay. I also remember, you know, talking to one of my friends. She's a black social worker. Recently, I was talking to her and we were actually talking about this topic. And she was saying like, she remembers purposely like disengaging during that time because she was like, even amidst a whole movement that's about black lives, we're centering allies and we're saying, oh, white people post, post, post. And she was like, I don't like, I am drained. I am exhausted. And this is someone that actually does this work of organizing and, you know, youth work and social work offline. So you can't now tell me that, oh, because she didn't post the black square or, oh, because she didn't, you know, repost your slideshow that she doesn't mean well, or that she's not an activist. Nah, she does this on ground, not online, you know? So that's what I mean by that. And for me too, it's like, I rather you do it in a way that is honest and genuine. I rather you mean this than just like post for clout and attention. Because I'm really big on like educating myself before I I speak about issues, before I talk about things. So don't come out all bold on the internet, chatting shit with your chest. (laughs) And misleading and misinforming your following and your friends just because you wanted to look woke. Like, don't do it. Don't. But you know what? Yeah, let me call out myself a little bit here because in as much as I, I say that, um, you know, that not to be, you know, looking at how people are carrying out their activism, especially online. I understand that it's it's mad tempting. Like, I've done it in the heat of the answers, you know, sort of protests and online um, movement and so on. I found myself, I was looking at, you know, other Nigerian, like maybe influencers and celebrities or African celebrities in diaspora and sort of being like, Hmm, like, I know you have fans that are African or Nigerian. Like you profited off the culture. Like what's up? Like, why haven't you said something? What's going on? Why haven't you, you know, like made a tweet or two, or maybe you've made one. And then after that, it's 10 selfies, you know, but I had to, you know, (laughs) sort of pull myself back and be like, you know, chill. You ain't the activism police. Like, you don't know what that person is going through. You don't know if maybe they're doing research behind closed doors. You know, celebrities love to say I'm doing work behind closed doors. That could be the case. Like, you don't know sort of that person's mindset or what they have going on. I think people need to stop sort of looking at what other people are doing. Like, have you posted or speak up or, and just what are you doing? Like, if you really care and you really are for this cause and you are as passionate as you say you are then you you drive it you take it as far as you can take it and let that be between you and god and let the other person's activism be between themselves and god like let them do them you know don't look around to see what everyone else is doing that's just me again but what do i know 
And you know what? This also brings me to this idea of this added amount of responsibility or of lean in on celebrities or influencers with huge platforms whenever there's sort of, you know, protests or movement or something, we're sort of leaning on them. And I understand, like I get it because they have a big platform and they can raise awareness. But honestly, these influencers and celebrities are human and we can't expect all of them to know how to use their platform for these causes, one, or even want to use their platform for these causes. Like a lot of these celebrities have ulterior motives outside of just, you know, protesting and raising awareness and, you know, making the world a more fair and equitable place. Like there are people that have ulterior motives. So I think constantly sort of like expecting that from them. Like, for example, how many celebrities have we canceled because of their behavior of what they've said with regards to some of these protests and movement? How many celebrities have we so like the veil has kind of just been removed and this sort of celebrity culture and like putting them on a pedestal has sort of just been completely diminished especially this year so i just feel like i understand that they have a huge platform but we shouldn't be relying on them as heavily as we do right now another issue with this idea of celebrities posing as activism influencers is just this point blank misguided leadership and misinformation this idea like you know i got this i want to save the people i'm the leader of this movement and really it's like no you're not no one asked you to do that And, you know, really, you're just causing confusion and division. And a perfect example of this right now is what Ice Cube and P. Diddy are doing, especially leading up to the election. And, you know, they both sort of have this idea of, I know what's best for black people. I got this. And it's like, nah, you don't. Like, no one asked you. Just rap, eat your food, and enjoy your money. That's really all you have to do. That's it. We didn't ask you for anything else. You're not the faces of these movements. But Ice Cube supposedly drafted this contract between America and Black America and has supposedly met with Trump to discuss this. And it's like, if you did your research first, you would understand that firstly, something similar to this already exists. People are on ground doing this work on a daily basis. Joe Biden already had a plan for Black America months before Trump, you know, met with you to spit out this platinum plan that he supposedly had. You know, so it's just, man, like people really have to be understanding what the cause is and how to actually make tangible changes before you just jump in. And P. Diddy has supposedly started a black political party. And like, sir, Mr. Black Excellence, just worry about your record label, please. Worry about bad boy records, because this whole like capitalistic black excellence rock nation brunch, it's not going to save us like it's. (laughs) It's really not, especially if you're trying to empower people and you want to build a political party that's going to encompass all black people. That's not going to work easily. So please just focus on bad boy records for now, boo. Like, so, you know, I I say all this to say that social media activism, like it's really one lane in activism and everybody has a role and everybody, you know, has a lane in this activism thing. And it's not for everybody. You know, if it's more important that we also bridge the offline with the online activism, that it doesn't just stop there after a few weeks of retweeting hashtags and it's like, ooh, there goes my activism for the year. Like, it's important that it goes beyond. It's important that we're also equipping ourselves with resources and knowledge to know, you know, how to organize and how to mobilize people to actually carry this work beyond just the tweets and the posts and the hashtag. And that's something that's really important. And 
I think if you're passionate about that and you, you know, you're knowledgeable, you have the resources, then go forth and do it. And we shouldn't just be looking to, you know, um, celebrities or influencers that have huge platforms just so we can spread the awareness if we're getting misinformed by them. Even as I think about this too, one thing to, to understand is that it's important to make your activism personal. You know, it's important to understand that you, you won't be an advocate for every single issue out there. And if you were, that just might appear to be disingenuous. And, and that's just, you know, how it is. Like someone who, like, for example, I won't care more about the issue in Congo or the issue in Zimbabwe than a person from that country. And they will be able to have either the lived experience or the knowledge from their roots to be able to share with me. So it's just important to understand that your activism is personal. Part of the reason why we we are, you know, activists or we're protesting and we're resistant is because of our lived experience. So it's personal. That's one thing that I've, you know, just been reflecting on this year. It's like, this is something that's personal. So it's between yourself and how you choose to sort of carry that protest and carry that resistance. It's personal. I think for me, something else that I've sort of like learned and I'm doing now is I'm not as quick to post right when the issue is trending. I take the time to sort of like read it, understand it a bit better. And that way it's like, it helps you to build understanding and by extension, passion for it. If you don't really know and you're just like reposting, you don't even know why you're reposting. But if you read and you sort of understand, then it sort of like builds that passion in you. You really understand like why this is such a, you know, a horrible thing that we need to protest against or, you know, it's an issue that we should care about. It builds that passion in you and it makes you want to like, you know, raise the awareness and use your platform the right way to mobilize or to organize, you know, the your following or the community that you've sort of built. And the final thing that I have sort of, you know, tried to imbibe to, especially during the heat of the NSARS movement and all the hashtags sort of flying around online in the past few weeks was just, it's important to focus on the offline activism as much as we focus on the online. Like it's very easy to just, you know, you, you post, okay, I've raised awareness. Like my followers now know what's going on. Cool. You pat yourself on the back. There's my activism for the year. But it's just important to know that there's some people that are actively doing this work on a daily basis. And there's people that are doing this work. They don't, they may not have social media or they may have it and they're not posting about this, but they're doing it. So for me, what I'm always constantly thinking about is how do we bridge the online with the offline? It's important. So even if, if let's say you care about an issue that is, you know, international, but that issue also takes place local, start local. If you care about, you know, like sexual abuse and you want to, you know, help out organizations, start by donating to not just international, but local. Volunteer for a local organization that helps, you know, victims of that sort of, you know, abuse. If it's a particular issue that you can't be there physically on ground, then, you know, donate if you can and make sure that the resources are going to authentic people that are actually carrying out the work on ground, not just this other organizations that have so much bureaucracy and the funds don't actually get into the right hands and don't get, you know, used properly and allocated properly. So that's just something that I think about a lot too, because especially when we are often, you know, using these hashtags, a lot of it, we, it can make you feel very removed from the situation. Cause yeah, I sit and I'm like, yeah, I'm tweeting, I'm posting, but what can I do? Like, yeah, I might march around, but how much of an impact does that really, you know, make? And and that's something I'm still thinking about. I mean, I don't have all the answers. I'm not exactly completely sure how we bridge that online and offline. And I think part of that is, you know, it's not for all of us to do. Again, there are people who are 
actively doing the online thing and there are people who are actively doing the offline thing. And I think it's, you know, in this activism thing, everybody find a lane, everybody find your role and play it. And we all move and we all work towards getting that better, equitable, fair world that we're all trying to get. So yeah, that's that's sort of my thoughts on this whole social media activism. I just feel like we've had a lot of it this year. And I was just like, I just want to come on here and just share my thoughts on how I felt about it and and just sort of, you know, share my thoughts on some ways in which we can do this effectively as well. With that, we are at the end of this episode. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in and for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion about social media activism. And I hope that you guys can, you know, leave with something that makes you think about the way that you practice your social media activism, should you choose to do so. And if not, then, but what do I know, right? (laughs) But with that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I hope you guys stay safe. Please wear your mask and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye for now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.